Hi, friends, and welcome back to the show. I have such a great guest. You're going to love her. We are going to talk about there is no perfect life. No one lives a perfect life. We're going to talk about getting rid of shame and regret, learning how to let go of those things. And we're going to talk about how um, our guest reconciled her marriage. We're going to talk about how she walked through so many hard things, including a cancer diagnosis. She is so full of fire. She's so full of humor and she is so real and authentic and you're just going to love her and you're going to love her conversation. And I know you're going to get so much out of it. So I cannot wait to share it with you. Hi, beautiful friend, and welcome to Faith Fueled Woman. I want to ask you, are you ready to accept the invitation we've been given to step into the adventure of pursuing God and what he has for us? I'm Kristen. I'm an encourager. I'm a Christian inspirational speaker, author, and podcaster. I help women grow in their faith, purpose, and business so they can have a lasting legacy and impact in their homes and in the world. If you want to partner with God and design your life to be less hurried, less stressed, be more excited and feel alive in your purpose and commitment to God and your family, this is the podcasting community for you. Grab your favorite beverage, your prayer journal, and your pen. And let's be encouraged. Hi, today on the podcast, I would like to welcome our guest, Tess Scott. She is the award-winning author of Listen, Sister, Finding Hope in the Freak Show of Life. She's an expert storyteller and often draws on her own experiences of failed marriages, the shenanigans of raising eight boys, and the freak show of life that she still finds herself in every single day. Tess loves to report that God is always faithful and has guided her through breast cancer, ongoing bathroom innovations, and menopausal hormones. She's a hoot, and I just know you're going to love her. I'm very excited for this conversation because I love that she uses humor and vulnerability with relatable stories to really remind us what life has to offer for us and that nothing in our past can change that our future has promise and hope and that God will take us through. So thank you, Tess, for joining us. Oh, Kristen, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So Tess, you have so much life experience and wisdom and stories to share with us today and messages of hope and encouragement. Can you first just tell us a little bit more about all that, you know, all life has, you know, given you and what you've walked through so far? So can you share us a little bit about your journey so far? I can share a little bit. I mean, it's a long life so far. <laughs> so, so there's a lot there. But um, so I would say, you know, if I was introducing myself, I'd say I'm Tess Scott, Christian speaker and author and black sheep turned Jesus girl. So that's kind of, that's how I refer to myself because my life in my past, like I've been married four times and I'm not even a celebrity, you know, <laughs> like it's, it, there's a lot, there's a lot. And that I lived a long time in the, even after I started living for the Lord, you know, um, I still screwed up, you know, I was still like a step forward two two back one forward, one back, you know, I still made huge mistakes huge mistakes after that time. And I think it's easy. No, not easy. I think it's easier in the Christian life when we can say, you know what? I was this. And then I met Jesus and now everything is great and wonderful and perfect. And I wear like lace collars and, you know, go to church and three times on Sunday and I'm, I'm this perfect person. And I think we can have that expectation even of ourselves Mm -hmm. and of other people that, um, because we are a new creation and that's true, but there's still struggles and that's what, and that's what, um, uh, what's the word for it? Like, that's what held me up. That's what kept me captive, um, for a while. 
And so I want to help other women who are in that sort of situation. And I think maybe everybody's in that situation a little bit Mm -hmm. in some areas of their life. So I want to help. Yeah, I was just uh, reading. I, you know, if I don't spend a lot of time doing maybe a devotional in the morning or something like that, I try to, but I at least try to do a quick, you know, online one, you know, read, read the scripture and the commentary. And um, a lot of times I'll do the first five by Proverbs 31. And I like this, there's what they're going through now is Job. And, you know, even today, it just said in that, that basically we're, we all are going to have, right. You know, the struggles or trials and tribulations, you know, it's not all going to be sunshine and flowers. And so we have to know whether it's because of how we're living or whether it's just because that is life, right. There's going to be things. And so you're so right. We're going to struggle. We're going to have hardships or things that maybe we're like, how did we get here? You know, and we have to walk through them or figure out how to keep going and, you know, to, to look to the future. So mm-hmm. I think you're so right. Everyone is dealing with something, you know, at some point, and it might be different than what I deal with or you deal with, but we're all going to deal with stuff. Yeah. So I call that my freak show. And that name came because, you know, it was a freak show. I have eight boys and five teenagers we had at one time. And the house was nuts, insane, like shoes everywhere. You wouldn't imagine the amount of shoes. Every time my husband walked in the door, there'd be shoes. And we had a system like we had cubbies, but it did not matter that there was a system. It was a, and he would say, this is a freak show. (laughs) So I always say my freak show life. And, and I say every, all of us are in a freak show, but your freak show doesn't look like mine, just like you said, but none of us have a perfect life. And I think that's even more difficult now for women or people, but I speak to women because um, if you are looking at, if you're relating to other women or connecting on social media, like let's pick on Instagram. If you're looking on Instagram and you're watching or following this girl um, and you're looking at the her life on Instagram, her big house with the pumpkin on the porch and the wreath on the door, and you think she has a perfect life. I just have to tell you, if you walked into her house unannounced, there's laundry on her couch, just like your house. There is because nobody's life is perfect. We need to start remembering that and we need to start sharing truthfully, vulnerably with each other so that we have expectations that are reasonable in life. No, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things is, you know, like you said, social media can be a great place, you know, to catch up, to see things of interest, trends, whatever, but it isn't our life. Right. And so we do have to have friends that we can connect to, whether, you know, that that isn't just scrolling, you know, and so whether that's in person or whether that's, you know, our friends live across the country, but we still call them or we Zoom them or something. It's so important, right, to have community, have friendship, wherever those are, because you're right. People normally, I mean, the data says if you're on social media, most people feel worse after going on it, not better. And so yeah. we have to be careful. You have to have people that you can confide in and you can share in and that can lift you up. And obviously social media is not going to necessarily do that for us, at least not most of the time. And so, yes. you know, I think it's important, like you said, to be vulnerable with a small group of friends, you know, because right. that's when you get to the real, real, right? That's when you say like, oh my gosh, you yelled at your kid too, because they just drove you to your wits end. Or like you said, yes. I have three sons, not eight. And I have the same issue with shoes. It doesn't matter how many times I've said, put your shoes away, put them in the cubbies, put them in the garage, put them in your backpack. There's still shoes at every door. 
and in the middle of the floor. And I, I don't get it, but it, it is a problem. And it's the same issue. I'm like, how, why, why can't we just, it's not one pair of shoes per person. It's like they're everywhere. And I know. So I absolutely get it. And you are so right about laundry on the couch or whatever their thing might be. Right. It's, it's, it's always something. That's right. And I'm, and I'm not saying like, put all your issues on the church prayer chain. That is not what I'm saying. Do not hear that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that you need a couple of close friends that you confide in honestly about your struggles, honestly, and they confide in you. And that relationship grows over time. And those friends watch out for you because they know what your triggers are, right? They know the things you're struggling and they have permission to come to you and say, Hey, Kristen, should you be doing this right now? Because that's something you're struggling with. Or, hey, Tess, have you been in the word? Like, you sound like you're really down. Like, you know, and that doesn't just happen. That's right. We need to invest in those relationships and be honest and open and vulnerable and be there for those people, which which includes spending time. And time is something that it feels like we don't have a lot of. We have Mm -hmm. to make that important. We have to really intentionally spend that time with that close group of friends and other people in our lives too. I mean, you know, we're feeding into lots of people. I'm sure I know that you for definitely are encouraging tons and tons of women and, and that's important too, but just having that core group is really vital, really vital. Yeah. And it's interesting because I find I have a lot of friends, not maybe my closest small group of friends, but a more extended group of friends. And many of them don't put the same amount of effort in their friendships. And I don't mean they don't maybe in their relation, their marriage or with their kids, that might be their season where they're doing that right now more. But, you know, I try to remind women, it's so important to, like you said, invest time, you know, in your, all your relationships, the important closest relationships. And um, I remember I was reading Find Your People by Jenny Allen, her book. And she talks about uh, data that says, you know, like how many hours does it take to become like a, closer friend and then like the closest, you know, or a best friend. And it takes a lot of hours. So it takes time and it takes commitment of investment. And so, you know, I think people think like, I mean, I talk to people all the time and they say, well, I don't really have very many friends, you know, because maybe they've been raising up their little kids and, you know, they've been busy at work and I absolutely get that, you know, but we just have to keep working on that. We have to keep Mm -hmm. investing in it. If it's people that you believe you know, it's moving in the right direction and that they're healthy for you. And Mm -hmm. so I just want to encourage women, you know, just put in the time to get to know, you know, new women, or if you have those wonderful close friends, make the time, you know, make it a priority because they actually even say that um, people that live the longest, one of the biggest indicators of people's um, longevity, isn't just like healthy diets. It's actually deep relationships. Yeah. So it, it really does matter even for our health. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't have to look like um, a certain way, spending time with people, right? When we're really busy, it can mean doing errands together, or it can mean, you know, taking the kids with you somewhere, the kids yeah. all play together and you sit together at the park, or, you know, there's lots of different ways if you really want to make it happen, and you're intentional about it. There's lots of ways to do that. Absolutely. I mean, I have one friend and she lives near, you know, not far, you know, and I mean, in the same city as I, I do. But still, we're busy and we live in different neighborhoods, so it's still 20 plus minutes away. But every week, if we don't get to see each other in person, we're at least doing a quick catch-up call, you know, nice. or we're texting during the week. You know, so yeah, it doesn't always have to be 
a two hour or a day commitment, right? It can be quick things, but it's just, but, and sometimes you don't talk to everybody, somebody that often, but you've developed a long, deep relationship over time. So you don't talk as often maybe, but you know, mm-hmm. the person's there for you if needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're honest, right? There's none of this, like, how are you doing? Oh, fine. Yeah. But it's not fine right now, but right. I just say fine. Yeah. Right. I need people. I'm, I mean, I need people that I can say not fine. It's not going fine today. <laughs> Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I forget who it was. Maybe it was Elizabeth Gilbert. I just saw this actually on social media last week. I can't say for sure, but I think it was her, but she was saying that her and her, um, I think she's married, but anyways, her spouse or significant other, when they come home for the day, they say like, they say a number, like what, in other words, what's your level? Are you a one to a 10 of what you can still give to us? And oh, so okay. if, if the number's high, they're like, okay, I know if my spouses or friends numbers low, then I need to kind of pick up the slack for them. I need to maybe be more giving. I need to maybe do an extra chore, right? And then if you're both low, then you know it's time for like a recharge before you can even give to each other. So I thought it was a really interesting concept because a lot of us, I think we don't even talk about where we're at. We just like enter into this thing, right? Like with our spouse or with our um, kids or with our friends. And then we, even if we tell them the truth, we don't really realize like, whoa, you're really like maxed out here, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And so it's kind of that, what do you need, you know, and being honest about it. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's probably really great for men, um, yes. you know, because my husband's not um, really doesn't specialize in sharing how he's <laughs> feeling. <laughs> theoretically, yeah. I say he's void of emotion. He's just not an emotional person. He's not a sharer so much, which is good because we balance each other out because right. I share everything. Um, yeah. But yeah, that would probably be good. He could probably do a number. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I did save it. So I'll have, I'll send it to you um, and maybe I'll post it with this episode. Yes. So um, yeah. So let me ask you this. I know um, beyond friendship, you have, uh, you know, you talk a lot about having found yourself feeling uh, some shame or some regret about, you know, kind of, like you said, you have all these things that have gone on in your life and that you've walked through. So tell us what that looked like and how did you start um, kind of allowing the shame and re- allowing it to, to let go of it? How, how were you able to do that? Yeah. So I was, like I said, I was married a few times. There's some divorces. I for, had my first child young. I was pregnant in the eighties. I mean, that you get married, that's what you do and, um, or did. And so I did, and it lasted like a year. And so already I'm like divorced at 21 years old and it was a bad way to start. <laughs> and, um, so over the years, more and more things like that piling on. And finally I was following the Lord right? I'm like, this is it. I'm following God. I'm going to Bible study. I'm leading small group. I love God so much. I'm married for the third time. Um, We're going to church, all these things. And then my husband said, I'm leaving. Like, I don't love you anymore. I'm out. And we at the time have eight kids between us. Like I had four, he had two, we adopted one, we um, got pregnant again. And so we have these eight boys and, um, yeah, I was shocked. And yeah. not that everything, I mean, I know things aren't always perfect. So I'm not going to say everything was perfect. I just didn't really see that coming. And I begged God, Kristen, I begged God that he would not let this happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to be divorced three times. Right. And 
yeah, <laughs> I do not want, there's still some shame in it. There's still all these, all these things come back to me like, well, this is what you deserve. This is because of your past, all these things. The enemy played in my mind over and over. I spent a long time with my face in the green carpet of my bedroom and yet God allowed it and he left. Mm-hmm. And after a year, cause you know, you're separated for a year. I met with him at a coffee shop and, um, cause he's more passive aggressive, like just didn't answer my messages. And, um, and I said, I really want to work on this. I really want to go for counseling. I really want to do whatever we can do. And he said, I'm not interested. I'm good. This is actually, we said, I'm good. So we got divorced mm-hmm. and it was horrid, <laughs> just horrid. And, um, after three years, he came back. Like God reconciled our marriage and we started dating, mm-hmm. dating yeah. for months and then married. And it was an amazing miracle, like just yeah. an amazing miracle that I'm so, so thankful for. I prayed most days that he would come back and he reminds me of that every time I'm mad at him. But he's like, you prayed for this. Um, but he came back and we were married on September the 9th. And then on September the 30th, I was diagnosed with cancer. Oh. And, you know, I thought I was home free. I have to tell you that I thought like, yay, this is the best life. This is going to be the best year. I'm going to, we're going to have this big honeymoon year and, you know, we're married and you can have, um, you know, a great married life (laughs) and all of this. And instead it was like chemo and mastectomy and radiation and losing your hair and all of this and all those struggles. And I thought it was the worst timing ever. I was so mad at God. I was shaking my fist at God. I was so mad, like really. And, um, but what I learned and like, we don't always learn it at the time. God doesn't always show me at the time when something is happening. But what I learned later was that this was the best timing because it allowed my husband to show that he loved me. Yeah, Like I had to be vulnerable. I had to rely on him. I mean, I couldn't wash my hair at first, you know, um, and he took time off work and he took care of me and he drove me to the appointments is about an hour drive to the, um, cancer center. And, and he was amazing. And the kids got to see like, dad's here, dad's in this, right. Um, I don't want it to happen again, but I can say I'm thankful for it and for that timing. And I'm thankful that I can see that now. And I remember one specific day when I was having a little pity party. I don't know if you have pity parties ever, but I was having a pity party all by myself there. (laughs) And I was saying, you know, you didn't know when you came back, I was going to, you know, get my boob chopped off and you didn't know that I was going to lose my hair and you know, all this. And he says, um, Tess, this is what I knew. We're in our fifties at the time. I knew that we're getting older And likely one of us someday is going to have to take care of the other. And that's what I'm here for. Mm. I'm in. And it was, that was like a gift handed to me. Yes. Right. Because you can, I know you can say anything when you're walking down the aisle or standing in the pastor's office. That's right. Right. Yeah. But that was a gift to me. And I'm so thankful for that moment. I'm so, so thankful for it. And then you know, obviously God healed me. We're doing good now. And there's still struggles. I mean, when you have eight kids, there's always an issue somewhere (laughs) and it's not an easy life, but I knew that God wanted me. Eventually I knew that God wanted me to share my life. Like, I didn't know what that's going to look like. You want me to share my story? Like me of all people, like who could, who would listen to Tess Scott, like black sheep turned Jesus girl married four times, right? 
twice to the same guy. You know, this like freak show life of mine, nobody's going to listen to me. Who would listen to me? And secondly, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> so I kind of told God, no, like, well, maybe not. No, I, cause no sounds really disrespectful. So I just said, maybe someday. <laughs> right. Right. Let's just put that on hold right now. We'll just put a pin in that. Yeah. And, um, but God would not take that because he's very relentless, but I didn't want to do it because sharing and being vulnerable about your past, about your screw ups, about your guilt and your sin. Yeah. And I knew that I had to be real about it. That's terrifying. It is. Yeah. It is terrifying. And I didn't want to do it. But um, yeah, like I said, he was relentless. And I knew that I had to do that. I went to a speaking conference in in Sarnia, which is where I live, Sarnia, Ontario. And the speaker, it was pretty, it was a pretty big conference, lots of women. And I was, I remember I was sitting on the row on the edge of the row on the, in the pew. And the speaker was Carol Kent. I don't know if you know who she she has an amazing story. She's an amazing speaker. And this is what she said. She said, I know she's just looking out at the crowd. I know that, you know, what God wants you to do and you're scared. So I'm going to give you the answer. And I thought, hot diggity. She's getting me out of this. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. So I'm like on the edge of my seat. I'm waiting. Right. I'm just like looking at her and I swear she looked at me and she had her finger out and maybe she didn't, but I think that, and because there's hundreds of women, but she's looking right at me and she says, do it scared. And I thought, Oh no, I have to do it. <laughs> I had to do it scared. So yeah. one step at a time, one step at a time. I think sometimes we think it's this big thing. God's asking me to be a speaker and a writer and share my story. And that feels like huge. Yeah. God's asking me to do today what today is. That's right tomorrow what tomorrow is and to bravely walk through the doors that he opens right and don't let it feel so big and and scary i mean it is still scary to share but 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 there's there's um what's the word for it like it's the right when it's the right thing to do there's a blessing in that yeah there's reward in that absolutely i absolutely get it and i think so many people have in their own, their own story, but it, it's very similar to yours. And even with me doing the, the faith field woman podcast, I really was, I was probably afraid and I was hesitant to do a podcast that was just faith-based that was Christian oriented. And even though I was very into interested in that, I mean, I love Christian authors. I love Christian books. I love all. I was like, well, I don't necessarily need to be that person because in my work life, it had always been very um, separate right? Like either worked for other people or I had um, a online brand with my mom, but it was for kids and it was educational. So it wasn't so much faith-based. And so it was always very separate for me. And oh. so to try to make it the brand be much more faith-oriented, it, it was, it's been a process, right? And, you know, but basically I started this one knowing it, that I eventually wanted to, but, you know, I basically got a message, you know, from God, um, it was very clear that I needed to give glory to God, you know, like I needed to be very clear, you know, and not be like, Oh, this is a separate part of my life. It's not, I was just not putting it forth, you know? And so like you said, but my only goal at the time was just show up and try, just show up and try. And I didn't know what that would look like or where exactly would go. I mean, I had ideas, but my job was just to show up and be faithful. Yeah. Yeah, even I love even little each day, every little baby step, you know, and that's right. Just be willing. I, just be willing. 
yeah, that's it, right? Just be willing to obey. And I, I didn't, part of the reason also that I didn't want to do that was because I loved my job. I was working um, in admin at Lambton College at the fire school, which I say every girl's dream, but that's just, being funny. <laughs> it's not really, yeah. um, but I did love that job so much. And I didn't want to pull back from that mm-hmm. because I loved what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I was getting ready for work one morning. So I was in the bathroom and I was putting on my makeup, you know, and whatever. This doesn't just happen, you know. (laughs) Anyways, I was getting ready for work and I looked in the mirror and my smile was crooked. And I thought, ooh, that doesn't look right, you know. But I just kept getting ready because I knew I had to be there first. I was the first one that arrived on campus. I unlocked the doors there. I got the um, professors, you know, papers ready for their classes. Like I was the support person. So I was like um, radar on mash, right? Like everything like swarmed around my office. So I felt pretty good about that. I have to tell you. So I didn't want to not go. So I went and I kept looking at myself in my phone, like selfie, you know, like looking like, Oh, that doesn't look good. Oh, that doesn't look good. Hoping that it's going to look better. So then my boss came in a couple hours later and he said, Tess, what's wrong with your face? Which no woman wants to hear. And so sent me to emerge, which is, I don't know what you call it. What do you call it? In, in is it like an emergency room or, or yeah. My emergency? Yeah. Like emergency room at the hospital anyway. Uh-huh. And they get you right in when they think you're having a stroke. Yeah. So they thought I was having a stroke and they called my husband, which I didn't want them to do because he was sleeping. He's yeah. a, you know, um, worker, whatever you call a shift worker, uh-huh. just serial worker. Oh my goodness. He's a shift <laughs> worker. So he was sleeping and, um, and they called him in. And by the time he arrived, like my, my vision was all blurry. My words were all garbled wow. and yeah. And, and my, my face was all like weird yeah. and um, yeah, they thought I was having a stroke. So I was really scared. Absolutely. And I remember praying because my mind wasn't garbled, thankfully. And I was just saying to God, like, I thought you wanted me to speak. And now my, my words are garbled and I thought you wanted me to write. And I can't even see, like, I don't know what's going on. And I just don't understand. And I was scared and they kept me in for three days, which is super long, super long in this healthcare system and ran up tons of tests. And they said it wasn't a stroke. It was a TIA. So a transient ischemic attack. Right. And so no long-term damage, just like a little warning thing. Yeah. So I went home and I remember talking to my husband in the kitchen. I used to stand in there with his arms folded. I can still see him right now with this look on his face. (laughs) And I said, I am so thankful that this was a false alarm. I'm just so thankful. And he said, was it Tess? Was it a false alarm? Or was it a real alarm that you know what God's asking you to do? And you don't know how many days you have to do it. You need to start doing it. All of us only have a certain amount of days. It could be days, like a certain number. It could be days or weeks or months or years we don't know what that is. And you need to obey God. You know, I think you need to quit your job. And uh, so, yeah, I hate it when he's right so much. I hate it. (laughs) But I did, I went back to work in a couple days and um, went to my boss's office who wasn't a Christian and said like, yeah, that I think I need to quit my job. And, um, and thankfully, like I have a husband who supports me and I could, I could do that. And he, you know, wanted me to do that. So I, yeah, I quit my job and started writing full time. And then I had a book contract in a couple months, which is like just confirmation that this was what God wanted me to do. So I'm thankful that I could do it and that I did it, but it, I mean, I went down like swinging. I, I did not want, I did not want to obey God at first. I can tell you, cause it's scary. That's right. It is, you know, and I think you, you really hit it on the head, which was 
It's really just, just today, you know, ask, just ask him, what, what is it you have for me? You know, what is it you want me to do? And it might be something small, right? You get that feeling like you're supposed to go help your neighbor or talk to somebody or whatever it is. But if he's, if he's pulling you towards a new post, a new opportunity, something, then, you know, just try your best to move towards that. It might be tiny at first, right? But that's you being faithful. That's you showing that you're trusting that he has something for you right down this, this path that you don't really know exactly what it's going to look like, but you know, it's the direction. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I just ask God in the morning, like open my eyes to see the opportunities that you're putting out there. I mean, there's things happening all around us and we just don't even see it. Right. Sometimes I can just be so busy and distracted that I don't, that I miss opportunities that I could have been talking to people or praying with people or, or just sharing my faith or just being there for someone loving them. Yeah. I mean, I think so many times, you know, and I definitely, uh, these are definitely common themes that come up, but you know, two things. One is if we're not present, fully present in the moment, we do miss lots of things. We miss what someone actually said to us, like what they, what they needed from us. We miss, like you said, maybe an opportunity right in front of us waving at us, but we're too busy with our head down, looking at our phone or worrying about our to-do list that we don't see it. We don't hear it. And then the other thing is, is I think we fit too much into a day. And you know, well, as well as anyone with eight, eight boys that, you know, you raised, but in what I don't, what I mean is regardless of how busy our day is, I think we're trying to fit in two or three or four days worth of stuff into a day. And I don't think that's how God designed a day, you know, and we wonder why then we're frazzled and we're overwhelmed and we're overworked. It's because that's really not how the day is meant to be, right? We're trying to fit too much in, especially in you know, I know in the U.S. and I'm sure, you know, right next door to us in Canada, that that may be true as well. But, yeah. uh, you know, so I think we have to slow it down, right? We have to, it doesn't mean you don't have a lot to do. You have a lot of laundry you had to do with eight boys and, and everything else, but you still could have taken moments, right? Or, or you, and try to like reset yourself, right? To And by evening to try to not bombard yourself with 50 other things to do when you already had plenty to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good reminder. Even now, mm-hmm. it's such a good reminder. So let me ask you this. One of the things that you talk about is because of some of the stuff you went through, right? So divorces and then how you were feeling about like, how come I didn't have like the first marriage? Why didn't it work? Then I have this next one. So you had, you know, you were carrying on to like, should, is it because of me? Like, or whatever, like why? And then having shame around it, regret. And then you talk about that you had to remember who you were. So what can you tell Mm -hmm. us about that? I'm sure a lot of people have struggled or are struggling currently that are listening, maybe Mm -hmm. with them, how they identify themselves, or maybe they have something in their past that they still can't let go of the guilt Mm -hmm. or the shame for. Yeah. So a lot of my guilt and shame is because it was my fault. My marriage, my marriage's ending were my fault, or at least partly my fault. You know, I can't even say I was just an innocent person and this happened. Um, but so I feel like God has put me on mission to help other women with messy stories, I say, whatever that looks like to shed their shame. And I do that, like I speak to women. Um, specifically women's conferences and at churches and that. And we talk about how to shed our shame by remembering who we are in Christ mm-hmm. so that we can embrace the power of God in our lives. And because God says who we are, he gets to say, I mean, I don't get to say God gets to say he created us. 
you know, he is the creator, he gets to decide. And I think I think about when my kids would make things out of Play-Doh, you know, like you think you're going to get a couple minutes of peace. So you put the kids at the table with Play-Doh. I don't know if you did that with your kids, yeah. but I used to, I made this homemade Play-Doh and they'd sit at the table and they make things and you actually get about 45 seconds of peace. And then one of them's like, mom, mom, come here. Look what I made. Look what I made. You know, so you go over and you look at it and say, wow, you sure made something, you know? Um, So tell me about that. And then they do because they made it and they know what it is. And that's what our life is like with God. He made us. He gets to tell us what and who we are. He tells us what he thinks about us. And that's the only thing that matters. Like I can spend a long, a lot of time worrying about what other people think of me, which is not what he wants because God tells me what I am. When I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, he says that I'm a new creation. Praise the Lord. I'm adopted and accepted and lavishly loved, you know, all those things. So when I remember that, (laughs) intentionally remember that and live in that, then I can live the way God wants me to live, Mm -hmm. right? Then I can fight the lies that are constantly fed into my brain about who I am, what I deserve, how I've screwed my kids up, how I've, (laughs) oh, I don't even have to go on and on. It's a very long list of things, Um, but it's not true, right? It's not true. So we talk about the steps of knowing who you are and shedding your shame. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, uh, a friend of mine just wrote a book and I think it's just come out or it's about to, but it's all about kind of how do we see how are we still successful even when we've had identity loss or identity crisis, which everyone goes through because most of us at some point, we cling to the roles we've played, but they aren't who we are. And so we have to remember to not hang our hat or our pride or anything else on, well, this was my job. You know, maybe you're a, if somebody's a doctor, a psychiatrist, like it doesn't matter, right? Of what you're, you own a farm, whatever you do, it's, that's what you're doing, but it's not who you are, but we often tie our identity too closely to that, or that we're a wife or a mom. And those are not, those are important things. But like you said, it's not, it's not truly who we are and it's not what our value is. It's just what we've done in how we maybe provided some value. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it's so important to remember these things and, and to have that in our brains, right? So to fight the lies of, of, you know, you're not good enough, or maybe your kids have moved out. Like personally, my youngest kid is 20 and he just left home to be out on his own. And I am praising the Lord. Like I am so excited. I've been a mom with kids in my house for 38 years and I'm over it. Okay. I love them and I want them to be okay. But I opened the fridge the other day and there's pop. Well, you call that soda. Maybe there's pop in my fridge. I've been hiding it under my bed for 35 years because they just drink it all. And so now I don't have to do that anymore. It's an amazing thing. However, it is a weird feeling to not be feeling like I'm a mom. That's right. Like I am, but my kids are older. They don't need me in the same way. Yeah. And I think, like you said, we can struggle with that because Absolutely. it's like my, what's, so what's my identity if I'm not a mom, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. Daily, you're not having to do mom duties, right? Like you're yes. still the mom, but you're not a day in and day out. You're not being asked to help them or make them food or whatever. All the things you were doing for all yes. the years. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. You've, you've entered finally the empty nester stage, right? And of course it's a different time. and. 
Yes. My oldest is 21, you know, uh, and I, but they're all still home. Like one was gone for a while for college, but now he's back here doing college. So, you know, I still probably have a couple more years at least while they're still here, but absolutely it's, it is, it is a different thing, right? It's a different relationship, but it's also a, like you said, how do I, for so many years, 38 years, that's a long time to be mothering them in your home. So the point is, is you're right. You have to think, okay, I'm still their mom, but like, I don't have to do that day in and day out, you know? And so the people do have to remember that, you know, that we have so much value just as being ourselves, you know, and, and what God's put us here to do. Yeah. It's weird. It's a weird, it's a weird shift, Absolutely. but I think being aware of it, like being aware that you're struggling with it or just being aware of that it can be an issue is, is a good first step for sure. Absolutely. I agree with that. Yeah. And then kind of figuring out what else, you know, where is your worth and what are you, how do you live your life? You know, all these other things. So let me ask you this test. What might be just some words of encouragement you want to share with people, you know, as we get closer to wrapping up the episode, um, yeah. you know, just to encourage people in their lives. And my biggest um, word of encouragement and advice to women is always fill your head with truth, right? Because who we think we are, who we um, behave as, oh, I don't like that word, who we believe we are stems in what we think our actions stem in what we're thinking. And if what we're thinking isn't true, then we're going to be in trouble, right? So we need to fill our head with truth. And the only thing that I know that I know that I know that I know that to be true in 2023 is God's word. That's it. So we need to be in the word all the time, reading it, also like putting ruminating on it. So putting a card or a piece of paper somewhere with a verse and put it somewhere where you're going to see it all day long, like on your bathroom mirror or above your kitchen sink, or make it the screensaver on your phone and read it and reread it and keep your head full of truth. Absolutely. I've seen a quote recently that said, imagine what your life would be like if you carried your Bible around everywhere with you, like you do your phone. You know, and put your put your nose in this Bible instead of our phones twenty four seven. You know, I mean, yes. imagine that, right? Like, how different might our outlook and our our heads being full of Scripture more so than scrolling through our phones? So, I thought true, that was, that was good. Yeah, good yeah. reminder. I love that. So, Tess, tell us how can people connect with you online to learn more about your writing and just mm-hmm. all the encouragement you're sharing in the world. Ah. Well, uh, you could go to my website, tessscott.com. Three S's in the middle there, tessscott.com. I love to come and speak to women. I would love to come and speak at your event and encourage your women. And um, also I'm on social media, obviously, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all those kinds of places as Tess Scott or Listen Sister Encouragement. But I bet you're going to have that in your your show notes, right? Absolutely. Well, Tess, I am so glad you came on and joined me today and you shared you know, just some of your story, all of your encouragement and just your uh, messages to remind us to look to God's word and, you know, to find other people, you know, that we can do life with that can lift us up when we need to be lifted up that can help point us, you know, back to the direction maybe we we need to go. And uh, I really just appreciate your time and, and coming on and joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. I love, loved it. Thank you so much. Okay, I wanted to wrap up today's episode with just a few things from today's episode that really stood out to me. The first is, nothing in our past can change that our future has promise and hope, and God will take us through all of it, every single thing. That is such good news. 
this, even if right now for you, it feels like it's a time, it's a season, it's a loss, a diagnosis, a divorce that you're going through. God will see it through. He will see you through. The second is there is no perfect life. No one has a perfect life. But when we do life with God, we have so many things like we can experience joy and peace and calmness. And we don't have to take our shame or regret into our future. We can learn to let go of it. We can leave it in the past and not look back to it. God will take us through. So you guys, there's so many great promises. There's so many relatable stories on the episode today. And I hope that it will inspire you and encourage you. I hope it'll let those chains of shame and regret I hope it'll let it loosen them for you. It just take it to God because I promise you, he wants you to release it. And he wants you to step up and step out and show up fully how he has, you know, what he's made you for, what purpose he's made you for and how he wants you to serve others in the world. So until next time, have a great day. Thanks again for listening. And if you would like to be encouraged and lifted up, I have a seven-day encouragement challenge. If you'd like to sign up, go to faithfueledwoman.com and just enter your email address and you will be sent seven days of Christian encouragement and inspiration to your inbox. Thanks again for listening to Faith Fueled Woman. If you enjoyed the show, we would love it if you would share it with a friend. And if you would leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, because it helps us get discovered by more people to spread more hope in the world. Thanks again for listening in.